so I don't know the words. Here's some Swedish. Ikea. Meatballs. Stockholm. Tiny furniture. Saunas. <laughs> Welcome back to a very serious college football podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> will we ever learn? That is the question. There's a dumb joke for some ABBA fans out there. <laughs> yeah. So, is there any more to the story of the backwards B in ABBA? Yeah. So, I started telling this story before we began recording, and I think Justin, we should make this a Patreon exclusive. But, um, <laughs> God, you want to know what grinds my gears, America? <laughs> As he pounds the table, which probably sounds horrific. Um, Bjorn, I believe it was Bjorn. I might be mixing them up. But there were Bjorn and Benny, and then Angela and uh, let's call her Amy, because I don't remember the other woman's name. I'm so pulling up Abba's Wikipedia call, as we speak. Good idea. They're all, here's the other weird thing. They're engaged to each other at the beginning. So their original name was Folkfest, which... When you or folk festa, folk, folk, something folk fest, uh, which means party people colloquially, but also refers to engaged people in Swedishian. And so, um, tell us more about this backwards B. Okay. <laughs> uh, Bjorn was actually in a group called the Hooten Nanny Singers. Before joining ABBA. Of course he was. I skimmed this, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't looking for gems for you. And Benny was in the Hep Stars, who were... Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Hep Stars and Hootenannies. That's what yes. we're dealing with here. Yes. This is like a clown college production of Hatfields and McCoys. Like... The Hep Stars and the Hootenannies. And instead of, you know, doing some Swedish folk shuffle songs to the death, they instead joined forces eventually... Uh, they called themselves the Fjolkfesters for a minute. Yes. Uh, they added Anna, who was singing since 13. She did some background vocals on some previous work of the two dudes. I am skimming this live for y'all. Uh, <laughs> then there's Agnetha. Yeah, was... that's why I didn't remember her name. Because it's Agnetha. Agnetha. Who the hell can remember Agnetha? <laughs> She had, like, a number one record in Sweden, was contacted by some producers. They smashed them together, made them Fest Folket, is the name of the band, which translates to party people. You got that, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> translates to party people, but also engaged people, or engaged couples. I don't see that, but... What? Let's, let's roll with it. What? No, we're not... I'm, <laughs> God damn. I'm angry about this now. You have me worked up about ABBA. They were signed by Stig Anderson which yes. is the most music executive name I've ever heard. Well, the most Swedish <laughs> music executive, executive name <laughs> I've ever heard. They made a song called Sagmet den Insang, which became number one in Sweden. And uh, I guess there was still Folkfest at the time. Ooh. And then they changed to uh, Bjorn and Benny, Agnetha and Anifried. That was their next name, which <laughs> is, sounds like two band names in one. 
and yeah, it's and like Sticky Simon and, and Garfunkel and Steve and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel and Oates and Hall. Okay, okay, Simon and Garfunkel and Oates. I love that. <laughs> hey, uh, Fest Folket parentheses open parentheses, which translates from Swedish to party people, and in pronunciation also engaged couples. Close parentheses. What on uh, November? S- Oh, wow. Well, engaged couples is the beginning of the other, of the sentence below. I didn't skim that far. God. (laughs) So then Stig was like, yo. All of your names thus far, all the way back to the Hootenettys and Heskett, those names have sucked. Let's just initial y'all. Because clearly we can't trust you with real words. (laughs) Yes. Real Swedish words. I don't necessarily believe Sweden is real. And ABBA is a well-known fish canning company in Sweden. <laughs> because of course it is. Well, and there's only one nation in the GD world where you could have a well-known fish canning company. Yes. The backwards B was uh, because of Benny, who reversed his B. Oh, Benny, not Bjorn. Bjorn. It was Benny. Well, yes. you know, you got to think that Benny got tired of all those jets. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> She's got electric boots. Have you ever read the lyrics of that? Here's, okay. <laughs> While we're on the topic of 70s rock. <laughs> this is a wonderful gonna, open to our first in-person pod. <laughs> I'm just going to give you all a dramatic reading of the lyrics of Benny and the Jets. Hey, kids, shake it loose together. The spotlight's hitting something that's been known to change the weather. We'll kill the fatted calf tonight. (laughs) Biblical, I guess. So stick around. You're going to hear electric music, solid walls of sound. Everyone knows that part, yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Say, Candy and Ronnie, have you seen them yet? Oh, but they're so spaced out. Bup, 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 Benny and the Jets. Oh, but they're weird and they wonderful. They're wonderful. Oh, Benny, she's really keen. She's got electric boots, a mohair suit. You know, I read it in a magazine. Oh, oh, Benny and the Jets. Here are some other highlights from later in the song. Really, there's not that many new words left. Um, but Benny makes them ageless. Oh. We shall survive, let our let us take ourselves along. Where we fight our parents out in the streets to find out who's right and who's wrong. Uh, I think we're missing some context. Like like verse I, one's like, here's Candy, here's Ronnie, gee, there's well. She's got electric boots. Who boy? Verse two, rise up and kill your masters. It turns into uprising by muse, concerningly quickly. Like anyway, I think. Part of the reason we've been doing this for so long is because we so desperately don't want to talk about Oscar football. <laughs> God. We said on the last pod that interest in the season would tank if we lost to Illinois. I think we might have even said our interest in the yes. season would tank. And boy, oh boy. Not only did we lose to Illinois, we lost to them in the exact same way I said we wouldn't. We beat ourselves. Yeah. I claim there was no way that this team could get worse after another, after a full camp, a year of experienced players, having players who are supposedly better than what we trotted out last year. But no, it's the same damn team as last year. 
I think what I would like at the beginning of this podcast, if possible, is to take snippets of our last podcast where oh, we sound gosh. the stupidest and knit them together with yakety sacks. Because <laughs> that was a debacle. My five and seven take looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, in that it borderline almost, optimistic, almost definitely be worse than that. I mean, so yeah, let's just offense, defense, but I want to start with special teams and I want to start with the moment that I knew we would lose that game. Yes. Deep in my heart of hearts. <laughs> Cam Taylor Britt, what the God loving pigskin was that? There are, uh, Two cardinal rules of punt returning. Anyone who has done it or been on a football team before will tell you, you never catch a punt inside your own five-yard line. No. And you never catch a punt with your back facing the guys running at you. Cam Taylor Britt not only did both of those, but he managed to break the third and fourth rules of punt returning, which had never been said before because nobody believed anyone was stupid enough to do them. After catching a punt inside the five with his back turned he then trips and falls in his own end zone probably don't do that don't do that and when he was in his own end zone he did the most athletic thing he's done yet somehow avoid his knee from hitting the ground and instead of you know that stretching the ball out past the goal line and just taking the l and setting the offense up for 99 yards he's like if i'm going down I'm taking you with me, and throws a forward pass out of the end zone, which, if he wasn't getting a safety before, he's darn sure getting a safety now. And that's how the game started 2-0. The first points of the FBS college football season were scored on an illegal forward pass from your own end zone, on a punt return. If you had that bet in Vegas, you are a very wealthy man. Well, I just... There are so many ways to not do that. <laughs> so many things. And ultimately, sure, maybe you've got a player who doesn't have the best football IQ, doesn't have the best field vision. Yeah. I'm not saying that's necessarily Cam Taylor Britt, but looking at this play, it sure seems possible. It's not the player's responsibility to not do that by themselves. Someone has to effectively communicate to them what their job is on an admittedly tricky, weird punt Mm -hmm. that looked like it was going to bounce back to the five and get down there. But just let it go. Just let it go. And it's like, I think in that moment, I knew that win or lose... There was no way I was happy leaving this game. Yeah. There was no joy left because I'd just seen that occur and it made me want to vomit because I knew that if we were doing this against Illinois, we hadn't fixed our special teams, which means we probably hadn't fixed the discipline issues across the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, Taylor Britt is supposed to be one of our best players, one of our most engaged guys. Mm -hmm. And I think that that flag, and it, hindsight's twenty twenty after the game, right? But that flag was pretty damn red Yeah, that Nebraska had not figured its shit out. And it was pretty glaring that we spotted Illinois those two points. 
Like, they did not earn those two points. We gave it to them. Did they earn... I'm dead serious. How many points do you think they earned over the course of the afternoon? Th that was my next point, because later in the half, we're skipping ahead a bit here, uh, they... <laughs> Illinois got their backup quarterback in after we knocked out Brandon Peters. You know, to be fair, Art Satowski came out of effing nowhere and had a day. Yes, he was the quarterback at Rutgers for the previous two seasons. Who was replaced by Noah Vedro. Yes, and his career stats going into our game were eight touchdowns and 20 interceptions. So... They clearly tried to hide him from the get-go, just doing a bunch of runs. Wasn't really going much of anywhere. And I thought we would see that the whole game. Yes. I thought they wouldn't try and... And then he threw the football. Cam Taylor Britt intercepts it. It's like, okay, that's what we expected to happen. He let Art Sikowski cook and live with, with, lived with the results. The end result of that play was a 30-yard gain for Illinois. Because Caleb Tanner... Rough the quarterback. You can debate whether that was a good or bad call, but it's something he should have known better yes. than to let the ref decide. What you can't debate is whether it was an avoidable call. Yes. And it absolutely was. Mm -hmm. I And I think in a team in this environment where the Big Ten is not super happy with us. And it's week zero, so the refs are going to be working out the kinks just as much as you guys are. Right. And so... Any level of discipline stops that play. I mean, I understand your momentum gets carried through, but it's the method in which your momentum gets carried through, and there were a lot of ways to avoid what happened Yes. There. He very clearly intended to tackle the quarterback once he started to tackle the quarterback, and he finished the job when the quarterback clearly did not have the ball. That's going to get called more times than not, regardless and of, you know, the timing and the two steps and the it wasn't really that hard of a hit it's i mean all of those are factors in a call where it's close mm -hmm. this wasn't close this was pretty clear that he had intended to bring the quarterback down uh and by the letter of the law intending to tackle the quarterback after the ball is out of his hands yes i'm i'm Sue me if you wish, but I'm not angry at that call. Yeah. It, it's hard to get angry at that call when so much other stuff went bad for the Huskers. That yeah. Like, it, <laughs> like if, if we had scored, like, another time and gone to overtime and mm -hmm. then lost, maybe you could say that this game was close enough to the point that... Yes, that call was the deciding factor, but no... Uh, if we if we just don't do that safety and score again, we win. Right. Like, that's that's what it comes down to. It's just my original point of how many points we spotted Illinois. Yeah. So we take away a turnover there and give Art Sikowski confidence that he hasn't had, given that he's played at Rutgers in Illinois his whole career. And he has a tremendous second half by Art Sikowski standards and a darn solid second half by anyone else's yeah, standards as well. Yeah, that was a well. solid half of Big Ten football from a good quarterback. And then... Also, Satowski Heisman watch, as I saw on Jack Mitchell's Twitter feed earlier mm -hmm. today. Uh, he will probably be starting their game this weekend. So the only thing that can bring me joy about college football for the rest of the year is that Art Satowski wins the Heisman and Illinois goes to the college football playoff. That 
that's a point I was planning to bring up later, but <laughs> might as well bring it up now. That's Frost's only hope, is that Illinois is just that good. They're not. There's no way there's, in hell they are. I mean, they were But it's even... week zero, so we don't know. They no, could no, be. No, but even if, even if the Illinois team that you played was not good, the, show me one true stroke of brilliant football from that team, and you will not find me one. It was a football team that was competent enough to get out there and do its job. Yes. I mean, the New England Patriots won, like, eight friggin' Super Bowls on the maxim, and for any kids watching, I apologize, do your fucking job. Yeah. Where does that breakdown in communication happen at Nebraska? You've got to think it comes from the coaches, and ultimately, if a coaching staff is failing, the guy who wears that is the guy on top. Mm -hmm. I think that there are... Every year, we consistently have good recruiting classes, yes. better than where we finish. Every year, we have players that show promise. Every year, we hear that these players have gotten better and improved. And then every year, even if they've proved athletically, even if they're making better plays, which I think is possible. Yes. Adrian Martinez showed some real capability running the football the couple of times we let him do it. Yeah. He is very easily able to break one for 30 yards. He, Without hardly breaking a sweat. Yes. He had a 75-yard touchdown run in the third quarter that I think flipped the whole game on its head for Husker fans a little bit because before that, we were getting killed. Like, it was 30-9 to Illinois. We spotted them six more points at the end of the half after getting a huge force fumble at the end of the half. I think it was a tie game at that point, or if not pretty close to it. And first, Adrian misses a wide-open Chris Hickman on what would have been a gain of 40-plus. But okay, get him next time, Skipper. Uh, just don't do anything stupid, and let's go into the half-tide. Like, and then he tries to avoid like the third sack, potential sack on third down. At that point, you know... Uh, you watch what happened to Brandon Peters just fall forward and like not get hurt or not try to be the hero and, you know, run for the first down when you're being chased by four defensive linemen and there's no help to be found. So he tries to be the hero, tries to make something out of nothing, fumbles it, given that our offensive line was already AWOL. That was an easy scoop and score for Illinois. Puts them up at the half. Then they hit the ground running in the second half. And what really lost us the game, that first drive of the second half where they had seven yards, Toss play to the left. We knew it was coming. We couldn't stop it. Punched it in. Then it was 30-9. to Illinois was dominating in every facet of the game. Adrian pulls off that 75-yard run out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden that game became from Illinois is just better than us at every facet to, again, we beat ourselves because we are clearly the better team. We just right. play up to it. What's insane is when... Adrian needs to scramble and Adrian needs to make something happen when the chips are down. He's typically, I mean, he'll make mistakes, mm -hmm. but that's where he shows how good he can be. What's insane to me is that we can't transport that level of athletic talent to break that 75 yard run to scramble, to make a good throw in a difficult time. 
And I will say, the overthrow in the end zone that I think you're referring to... No, there were two overthrows that were very costly. The overthrow in the end zone was on the drive that we got a field goal. Right. We had a wide-open Wyatt Lear for I maintain I maintain that the wide receiver jumps, and I forget which receiver this is. Lure. Yeah. He jumps, and he tries to be a hero. If you just keep running... You catch that in the back corner, which is where Adrian has been throwing footballs for his receivers the entire time he's been here. We don't score in the GD front half of the end zone. This quarterback needs room to work. He needs room to air it out. He is not as accurate or precise an arm as some other quarterbacks. I think ultimately it looks bad for Adrian. It looks like an overthrow, but at the end of the day, understanding your quarterback and where he's going to put the ball... I didn't see that from almost anyone on this receiving core. Uh, Besides Oliver Martin. Shout out Oliver Martin. Yeah, Oliver Martin. The one bright great. spot on the offense. Well, I would say Step had some good moments. He had some good moments, but, but he only really had three carries and yeah. one reception. And that reception was fantastic. Yes. Uh, that is the kind of thing that I've seen us try and pull off for years and not be able to. And I mm-hmm. think that it's encouraging to see something there. So, I mean, overall grades for me, special teams F. Oh, absolutely. Defense. You're not able to stop Illinois. I mean, you should, the number of drives, we should have held them to a field goal and we couldn't. And again, ultimately a couple of those and you win the game. Yes. I think, End of the day for me, like, defense is still sitting B-minus, C-plus territory. Yeah, I'd give that just defense unit as a whole. Well, in my position grades article I dropped after the game, I said D-line B-minus, linebacker C, secondary C-minus. So I think that averages out to an even C. Okay. So that's what I would give. Okay. Because it wasn't their fault we lost the game because the offense spotted Illinois, you know, seven points on that fumble. Without that seven points and without the two missed extra points, that's Nebraska win. The offense for me gets a D because there were enough bright spots that you hate to fail the kid, Mm -hmm. but what needs to be there just is not there. You've got to, got to, got to, got to, and I'm not going to pretend to be smart enough about football to know exactly where to put the blame here, but you've got to be able to score on Illinois because if you can't score on Illinois, you can't score on Michigan State, and you can't score on Northwestern, and it becomes a long, nasty, horrible, horrible, horrible year to be a Husker football fan. And you know what's the main reason I think we couldn't score is is the line. The offensive line was terrible. Illinois had seven sacks in the entire 2020 season. That's less than one sack a game. They had five. Five on Saturday. And not to mention, they opened no holes for any of the running backs. Like, I'm hesitant to, you know, call Step and Irvin overrated or you know, not talented because they had nothing to work with in the run blocking department. And by the time we did get a run game rolling, it was in the fourth quarter where we were down two scores and yet we decided to take up seven minutes on a drive where we desperately needed a score and a stop. We got the ball back with like 44 seconds left, no timeouts and the length of the field down eight 
And we still look pathetic. Yeah, that's the old Philip Rivers special right there. I mean, we missed extra points. Yeah. Who the hell does that? We look like a college football caliber team with like D3 or high school level discipline. Yes, this... I've heard it described, and I think this describes the Scott Frost era pretty well. This was what Spencer Hall said about Adrian Martinez, but I can blanket the whole team. This team plays like a glitchy video game waiting for a patch that will never, ever come. Like, there's there's promise there. Like, it can, you can play the game. You can certainly get from start to finish and have some fun doing it. But the glitches are not going to be patched anytime soon because they've been here for four years and it's the same thing. How many times have we ranted about fumbles? How many times have we talked about Adrian not being on the same page of his receivers? How many times has the defense known what was coming and still not been able to stop it? And how many times has Frost put his foot in his mouth after all of this happens? Because we're going to talk about Monday's presser and what he said that just... If you think we're overstepping our boundaries saying that Scott Frost doesn't know what he's doing and just can't cut it at this level, uh, he said, just straight up, as soon as Illinois lined up, half our game plan went out the window. Number one, you have had four years of coaching experience in the Big Ten. Brett Bielema has not coached a college football game since 2017. Brett Bielema outcoached you by your own admission. And I get that he had success at Wisconsin. I get why Illinois hired him. I don't hate yeah. the hire for Illinois because he's, he's a guy who's going to get consistent results, but he is absolutely not a football virtuoso who's going to out-scheme you to death. He, shout out to Reddit for this comment, but he probably came up with that game plan on Friday night with a couple Michelob Ultras open and a slice of pizza in his hand oh, and just sure. drew up whatever came to mind. It's like, that'll work. Yeah. And, and not to mention, <coughs> okay, Illinois doesn't show up against what you practiced. Adjust? Like... What, this is the guy who came into this university like the conquering hero of Rome and said, hey... We're going to make the Big Ten adapt to us. And we all cheered. We all said, that's great. Scott, we trust you. This is going to be fine. I don't know what to say. I, do, I mean, it is painful to watch someone miss the mark so emphatically Absolutely. when being paid by this university in the state of Nebraska to do this job. When they've talked so big and when they've had, like, you really, you, it's hard to feel bad for a guy who makes that much money. Mm -hmm. I'll go on record saying that. Like, it is difficult for me to say that I think, you know, oh, woe is Scott. But, like, there's a lot of stuff floating around about him right now. His job is clearly not as secure as he would like it to be or I think anyone in his position would like it to be you feel a little bit like he needed this win more than anyone else. And what hurts the most is that no one let Scott down but Scott. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it, is that he had every chance to right the ship. I think not, 
okay, freshman year, his first team doesn't really work out. No one's really great in the first year with a new coach. I mean, some people are, but that's typically when them just picking up the foundation and running with it. A one-year turnaround doesn't really happen that often. So second year, marginal improvements, but still more of the same. But okay, he needs his guys in there. Next year, he's going to get his guys there. Ah, whoops, COVID year, distractions, conference-only schedule, eight games. Some got canceled. No fans. Ah, you, you can't reasonably expect a big jump in a year like that, surely. Yes, you could. And uh, <laughs> You absolutely can. So then 2021, okay, that's not there anymore. And we've got even better guys to turn this around. And it's the same thing. It's worse. It's, it's, our, it's worse, even though we lost to Illinois by less. Sure, but our first game last year, uh-huh. we looked sharper and more disciplined yes. than we did in our first game this year. And we looked like a shit show last year. I'm not saying we didn't, but I'm saying that, like, this is the most disorganized a team has looked during an opener. <sighs> and in, I mean, in year four, that shouldn't be happening. And, like, I, I genuinely believe... Scott, whenever he says, I'm trying as hard as I can to get this done. Don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all, but I just think that it's sort of hit everyone else around him, but him right now that he's not that guy and he never will be. Was it? It's, he was a coach who at UCF inherited a good culture. Yep. Um, UCF had won the Fiesta Bowl previous to him arriving there. Yes, they went 0-12, but that was because their head coach became the athletic director. Both coordinators left, and the special teams coordinator took over a roster that was clearly not into it at all. And but, but what that situation does is it gives Scott Frost a level of confidence that I think is probably really dangerous coming into the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Because when you take a team from 0-12... To 13 and 0. 13 and 0. Which is more wins than he's had in four years at Nebraska. Oh, God. <laughs> it is easy to forget when you're that good at a lower level that you've been that good at a lower level. But how often, how freaking often do we see triple A ball players show up to the big leagues and they're, you know, three. 3.50 batting average or 0.350 batting average turns into a 200 batting average overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what we saw here. And it's, it's always the players who come in and say, I'm a great baseball player. I'm just going to do my same job. The league adapts to me. I don't adapt to the league. I just go out there and I do the same thing, which is a very romanticized, like tough guy way to view sports and the world. And I don't want to get philosophical here. <laughs> But that's wrong-headed. That's foolish. That leads you into a situation where you are underprepared as a point of macho, and it leads to these kind of catastrophic failures that we've seen over the past few years. And folks, I know we're getting pretty elbows out about this. I know we're getting pretty aggressive. But come on. It is... It's time to start having these conversations. Yes. I think we have been hinting at the fact that we think it's been time to have these conversations. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was the most hopeless preseason preview ever, mm-hmm. in which we're like desperately, please get us to six and six. In 
And, be- and believe uh, me, I tried to be as optimistic as I could in that preview. Yeah. Like, like oh. you were the good cop. Like, I was the good cop, and now... And I was just the regular cop. <laughs> and there was no bad cop, and here we are. And one of us should have bad copped, because we're at our worst-case scenario for the year. Yes, and it's... I want to stress a bit this a bit more, like because I think it's interesting. Uh, even though it didn't work out, and like you can blame Frost Machismo and stuff for that, of thinking that he's going to do what he did at UCF again in the Big Ten, I still think even looking back at it, it was absolutely worth a shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just sometimes the perfect... It's, in, it's college football. Sometimes the perfect plan can get laid out, and it just doesn't work. This yeah. has happened so many times with so many coaches at so many universities. This has happened like Tom six Herman, times at Notre Dame in yes, the last decade. Tom Herman at Texas. Yeah. He led Houston to one of the best group of five teams in the country multiple years. Takes over his hometown Texas team. He's out in two years. Just can't get it done. He's- Jim Harbaugh at Michigan has struggled. Michigan's past five coaches probably all fit the bill. Rich Rodriguez especially. Right. Hot shot, you can't miss. Everybody in the country wants him. He's worth the shot. In over his head, just can't figure out how to win in this conference. On to the next one. Yep. So that's what I hate about the if Frost can't do it, who can? Which I've I've seen more than I want to admit the past couple of years, and I've seen it way more than I think should be acceptable at all in the past week. If Frost yeah. can't do it, who can anybody? Like, yeah. That that makes me so mad right now is that. This this implies that we're doing something that's like not typical in college football yeah. by firing him after this. This happens all the time. Four straight losing seasons would get you fired at Kansas. Well, here's yeah. So yeah. why should we have higher standards than that because of or lower oh, standards or, or lower standards than that because of well everything worked because of the high ceiling that we perceive Frost to have. Plenty of coaches have high ceilings that they never live up to at their next job. That's fine. There is no exact science to hiring a right college nope. football coach. Nope. You just got to roll the dice. You know when I knew we were... I think we're just going to have to make this a sweary podcast. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, to quote... To quote it, a new TikTok trend when we are completely fucked, completely fucked, <laughs> we're completely fucked, was, um, I still know, in my heart, this can be a special football team. What is this? Remember the friggin' Titans? You're not Coach Boone, okay? You're not Denzel Washington. You can't, in, like, like, you there was no way that anything he could say in that conference was really going to like be a win one for the Gipper speech, mm-hmm. right? Like, this fan base is tired, and they're tired of you, and they're tired of seeing your face, and they're tired of hearing you say that we can still do good things when we don't see results. So, and you know what's crazy to me? <sighs> the week before the first game of the season, we didn't have depth charts out. No. We didn't have good answers on anything. And the last Can't big, let Illinois know what we're thinking. And the last big press conference we had was no comment. Not gonna talk to you about that. No thank you. 
I wouldn't say anything if I could say anything. And we thought it was all going to go great. That's a bad sign. Uh, Justin and I, while this podcast, I want to make clear, is not affiliated with the Daily Nebraskan. Justin and I both work at the Daily Nebraskan, and we have a colleague there named Jason Kuhan, who chose, was like the only member of the Nebraska media to pick Nebraska to lose that game. Yes. To pick Illinois to win. And so the hashtag, what does Jason Hahn know that we don't, <laughs> began to kind of circulate. Um, and Jason put it to me this way. I'm from Nebraska. And I've watched Husker football as long as I've lived. And I think I just want to applaud Jason for having the courage to admit to himself kind of the thing we all knew after watching this team for several years was that this was way more possible than anyone wanted to acknowledge last week. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, like, <sighs> Fordham, you have just got to think it's not possible to lose. Like, I mean, well, yes. ESPN gives, us a, gives them a 0.8% chance to win the game. Now, that is still more than I'm comfortable with with this football team. Mm -hmm. Unless, well, let, let, let's put it this way. If you saw Illinois had lost to Fordham, would you be absolutely floored by that? <laughs> Holy shit. Well, no. <laughs> but having said that, I still think this, this is still a pretty easy, like this is still the layup I expected it to be. Let me read something from Fordham student newspaper that I found when I was doing research for my Fordham players to watch article that just dropped. It was a good article. You should read it. Yeah. Also uh, read, uh, is it Martin? Martin. Yeah. Martin's article last night. Yeah. We may not be affiliated with the DN, but we sure will rep it. <laughs> I copy edited Martin's article. Nice. We were really busy last night. <laughs> In the Rams' first game on September 4th, they will travel to Lincoln, Nebraska to play the Cornhuskers, one of the most well-known programs in college football. Boy. That's the nicest thing they can say about us at the moment. Thanks, so, Fordham. Everyone remembers you from the 90s. Congratulations. <laughs> the lopsided nature of this game cannot be understated. Their student new newspaper yes. said, I love also how upstate New York <laughs> is that. The lopsided nature of this game cannot be understated. I go to Fordham. Fordham. Because I can afford it. <laughs> My papa drives a Rolls Royce. <laughs> um, oh my God. So. But what if we lose? I mean, so seriously, if we lose. Can you keep the coach through the end of the year? Oh, no. You, you, you get rid of him then and there if he loses to a program that's been middle to upper Patriot League the past few years and has not beaten FCS team since 2015. In 2019, they lost like 45 to 17 to Ball State. This Fordham team is not good, folks. Okay, so Buffalo. Buffalo. Which now looks like a trap game. It yes. now looks like we think we can pick up our second win, but honest to God... When you're beating yourself every week, is there a team you can beat yes. other than Fordham? Other than Fordham, which, Fordham. which is the most exciting, uh, excited I'm probably going to get from a Husker game from here on out. 
because it's the one game I'm gonna feel good. I so disagree. Re- revisiting. I'm really considering not going. I, I'm going to get any enjoyment I can out of this team, and even if it's forty to seven, you know, against Fordham, even if it's twenty-eight to seven, and you don't feel great, that's still probably the best this team's going to look all season. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can because I know I'm probably not going to get it any other way. Oh, man, that hurts. I am not going to lie. So that's that's my outlook for Fordham is enjoy this one, folks. Pretend everything's fine for a week because we will have plenty of weeks to Doomsday coming forward. But just enjoy Fordham. It's going to be a Nebraska-Fordham game. (laughs) So... Where else do you go with this team? What what else? I mean, we have kind of yeah addressed the elephant in the room. We, I think we're okay. Here's we've both probably let it slip that we do not think Frost is the man who can get it done at this program. I want to be wrong. Like what? Joel, what do you have to see the rest of the season to get you back on Team Frosty? How do I want to put this? Here's how I want to put this. I want to see us in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Especially now. If you can turn it around and you can win the next three games. I mean, not you no, won't win no, against Oklahoma. No. But I'm saying what's still left on the table. You've got Buffalo. Yes. Fordham. Yep. Probably both dubs. Probably. Let's say you improve drastically over the next two weeks. Yes. You don't get murdered by Oklahoma. Maybe it's the kind of game where you can bench your starters at halftime because you're already losing by 40, right? And so you just, you know, you try and play football that isn't demoralizing to your team. And then you've got Michigan State. Yes. Who we could absolutely beat. Yes, because as bad as we are, The bottom of the Big Ten is filled with teams that could potentially want it less than us. As far-fetched as that seems, you're not alone in sucking in this conference. If if it comes to who can play the worst game of football, there's plenty of opportunities for another Big Ten team to have their worst game of the season against us and have that be enough for our third worst game of the season to beat. So we've got, we we got Michigan State. Yes. That we can potentially beat. Potentially beat. And then we have... But I'm not so sure. No, I, no, no. I, I, I infinitely trust Mel Tucker over Frost. Yeah, for sure. I trust pretty much any other coaching staff right now. Because, because if Brett Bielema can outcoach you. I just don't think... like Brett is a fine coach. I just think that it's like, end of the day, even if the talent on this coaching staff is higher than what's being shown right now... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. They are so in disarray right now, so helter skelter that pulling it through is going to be really, really very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with let's not be unkind to them here. The rate of, like, the weight of the expectations in this state is bananas. Uh, okay. I don't. I don't like that take from Husker fans that. The reason that we're not successful is because we oh. is because we dream too high. Because no. I don't think we dream too high anymore. Uh, I don't think if, so either. If we I fire him after four losing six. seasons, that that no, would get I, you fired at I any agree. other coach I in agree. the country. 
Like, but what I'm saying is there is a lot more attention on this football team than there would have been on UCF, especially okay, yes. before they started winning. There is a lot more just like BS going around. We're under NCAA investigation. Mm-hmm. Oh, so how many L's can this university take in a week? My God, it's been a wild, wild couple first weeks of the semester here. But, like, I don't understand how... I'm not saying it's an excuse. Um, but I, I can see how it's harder to get better mm-hmm. in this environment. I think that... Your leash is probably just as long, but the level of support you're getting from people dwindles pretty quickly. Uh, well, but still, he has more support than the coach with any other background would have gotten here. Had, had he st- played his whole college career at Stanford, we would have sent him packing after 2019. I think that's true. But also, what you're seeing is like a Twitter echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the things about Twitter echo chambers is that they stick out to us, especially when we disagree with a lot of the voices in them. So sure. Am I tired of all of these sycophantic Husker accounts being like, Oh, you're so rad all the time. Scott Frost, you can lose for 20 years and we'll still love you. Yes. But I think there's more people on Twitter saying what the hell is going on. And we like our cognitive bias is saying, be mad at the people who want to defend him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a little more nervous than you about where we go from here. Uh, I think, frankly, no one will want this job. I don't think so. Really? Yes. No one of greater than the caliber of what we just landed. Because I think we're going to end up with a former coach of, you know. Okay. Well, caliber of what we just landed, the the hotshot guy who everyone wants. I guess it depends on who you think that guy is. If you think that guy is Matt Campbell, that's definitely out of reach. He turned down an NFL job. Where's he at now? He's still at Iowa State. Right. So he's likely going to stay there until the Big 12 completely collapses. And even then, he's just hell-bent on Iowa State. We're not getting him. Right. So besides him and, you know, a couple coordinators who at at like the big five, you know, schools like I've seen people throw like Marcus Freeman of Notre Dame, who's basically been the coach in waiting after Kelly retires. I don't see him leaving that for this. Or like Jim Leonard of a Washington, not Washington, Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, you know, on paper makes a lot of sense. He's experienced in the Big Ten, but, you know, he's very closely tied to the Wisconsin and he, there's no guarantee he wants to be a head coach. So like some of those guys, I'd say. They're just too happy with their situation to consider us and we're not an attractive job for them. But like, if you want the young hotshots, like Billy Napier out of Louisiana, Jamie Chadwell of Coastal Carolina. None of these guys. It, they, they, they would absolutely take this job if offered no, to No, I think they'll take the job. I don't believe that they could get it done because I still think that Scott's probably a better coach than a lot of them. What he did at UCF was really special. Well, but he had the foundation there still at UCF from the previous administration. It's just that the players didn't really care because, again, their head coach left a month before the season. And then Scott Frost gets him back to 6-6 six and six and then gets him to 13-0. and 0. So he really just had one above 500 year as a head coach. 
I think that might have been a red flag that he was a victim of circumstance and it wasn't something that his genius coaching philosophies led to. I think, you know, so if you want to take the 180, you, you, you can look for consistency and then hire based on that. That's not going to completely, that's not the home run. That's not going to make this program Alabama again. But if you want to make this program an Iowa or a Wisconsin again. God, what I wouldn't give. Yeah, or even a Northwestern, then you have to start looking at guys like Billy Napier, guys like Bill Clark out of UAB, Jason Candles at Toledo, guys who have consistent success at a group of five level who would come here if offered the job. That's, I think you can absolutely get that solid caliber of coaches who a lot of power five teams would want those guys as Uh, coaches too. Assuage my fears, assuage my fears. When was the last time someone came from a G5 school and really turned around a Power 5 team? Matt Campbell, Toledo to Iowa State. That's one. Um, sure. Let me... No, I, I'm sure there's... Uh, Chris Peterson, Boise State to Washington before he retired for health reasons, but he was quite successful there. Um, That's true. Washington was pretty good for a while. Washington had, had their moments. Um, Tom Allen went from defensive coordinator at South Florida to Indiana's coach and turned them around pretty good. Um, who else? Nine win Indiana. Nine win Indiana. So if Indiana can find some diamond in the rough, um, gosh, I guess I'm just not that well versed on that many coaches' backgrounds. Uh, Urban Meyer was at Utah, who was a Mountain West school before he was picked up by Florida. So that's fair. He worked out pretty well for them. Um, okay. I, I mean, I see your point. Yeah. It's it's not exactly a one-to-one ratio, but, like, it happens. You know, it's – the. But like I said, there's no exact science in hiring a coach. You know, you can we've, – we've done three different things our last coaching hirings. We've, we've coached a coordinator who ended up being Bo Pelini. We've – hired a long-tenured guy in hopes that the change of scenery can provide consistency with Mike Riley, which that's the nicest way I can phrase that hiring because that made less than no sense at the time and was proven to be absolutely the wrong hire in about just as fast. Or you can swing for the hot shot like Scott Frost and hope that he just knows something that everyone else doesn't. He's just that good of a coach and can turn you around. Because that has happened sometimes with like an Urban Meyer or something like that. But again, it's it flames out just as often. So if you're worried that like no one wants to come here, it's it's that all the sure things, you know, there's like five of them. And yeah. that we likely weren't getting one of them anyway. So because they're either happy where they are or are the coach in waiting at some place a lot better than Nebraska has been for the past 20 years. So... I think there's an absolutely a window for the next coach, whoever it may be. It might not, provided Scott doesn't turn it around and we do, in fact, get rid of him. There, I still think there is a path to consistent success here. We can find a coach who can do that. I think there's enough talented coaches who will want a shot at the P5 level that they won't care that it's Nebraska. Did you think we'd be having a conversation this frank about Scott? Absolutely not. Season? No. Absolutely like, not. It's time. Yeah. Um, 
If we lose to Fordham, I think he's gone midweek. I don't know who gets promoted, but I mean... It'd be Chenander. Yeah. There could be worse things than that. Yep. It sounds like he's already calling the plays and doing the work. Yeah. I don't know if we fire him mid-season, though, because if if the whole thing with violations is that we self-reported them to lower his buyout, the buyout, you know, lowering kicks in on January 1st. Oh. So if we fire him mid-season, we're paying the full 20. Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah. I mean, that would significantly hurt our ability to get another coach. Yeah. We really, I mean, that's what sucks is, like, we went all in on this guy. It increasingly looks like we lost. I, well, like, what sucks <clears throat> is that we extended him in 2019. Like, just hiring the guy to a five-year deal, that's, you know, hubris enough, but it's justifiable. Extending the guy when he had shown you no promises absolutely the unjustifiable move of the Scott Frost hire that you yeah. can blame the administration for. I agree. I think um, ultimately a good thing to end this segment on is what each of us needs to see from Scott mm-hmm. to want to keep him around. And again, I think it's finding a way to get to six and six because that just requires fixing the things I want fixed yes. this year, which is really frustrating to say because I wanted them fixed over camp. And we got told that they were fixed over camp. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I didn't see in that game, and correct me if I'm mistaken because I stopped paying super good attention when it got terrible, was um, drop snaps. Oh, yeah. That happened once. Okay. Late in the fourth quarter, which took precious time away from when we absolutely okay. needed a yep. quick score. I mean, I'm going to be frank. I don't think I want him regardless next year. I guess if you get to six and six, like we can talk, mm-hmm. but, but we have to ask ourselves if that improvement on the field seems like it's sustainable or if we finally started to get lucky with some games instead of unlucky with some games. Yeah. I will. I mean, they've had bad luck. That is part of the reason I think that they're still here. This coaching staff mm-hmm. is because there's been such bad luck. Um, but ultimately, Yeah, I want to see six and six, and I think one of those three wins, or one of those six wins that's harder to swing has to come against Iowa or Wisconsin. Or Minnesota. Or Minnesota. I think Iowa and Minnesota, we have to swing one of those and then win all the other games we were expected to, which, (laughs) yeah. I don't think it'll happen. No, I don't either, but... I think we're going to finish at... If we play like we did last week... Yeah. Three and nine. nine. Three and four does seem... Which is the inverse of a Polini record. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that doesn't seem likely, but... Uh, yeah. I, I think four and eight, maybe, is if I had to put some money on it, is what I think we finish at. Who's four? I'd, I'd say we get Michigan State and Purdue. Mm, I forgot Purdue exists. Yeah. Purdue's a team that could absolutely want it less than we do. That's true. (laughs) That is true. But we want it so little. You know who's a team who really wants it, though? Bishop Sycamore. Perfect segue. (laughs) Perfect segue. We have been mopey for too long. Brilliant segue. we got to talk about this. Let's make fun of my favorite sports scandal of the past ever. Uh, Is... (laughs) It's Bishop Sycamore High School. The past ever? 
My favorite is still that Michael Jordan definitely killed his dad. <laughs> uh, We've already talked about that. We have, but I'm just saying that is my favorite scandal, and I am certain that it happened. <laughs> so, a while ago, and by a while, I mean the Friday before the Illinois game, uh, ESPN was airing a high school football game, as they do sometimes on Fridays, where there's nothing else on. IMG Academy, which has its own shady origins, which is basically like a sports agent agency's school of future clients that they're just, you know, grooming into professionals. That's kind of sus, but, you know, that's high school sports for you, and that's something that we generally accept. Their opponent, Bishop Sycamore High School from Ohio. Where in Ohio, Justin? It's a wonderful question. Where in Ohio? Who is Bishop Sycamore? Neither question. of those questions have an answer because this is his team that for all intents and purposes belongs to a school that doesn't exist. <laughs> and they played a game on national television. They lost 58 to zero. That's what makes this so good is they lost in a murder of a shutout. Murder of a shutout, which could not have been helped by a few fun background facts about Bishop Sycamore High. Would you care to give us some fun yes. background? They had just played a game two days earlier. That is wild. I didn't know that. Who'd yeah. they play against? Some team in, like, Ohio. Okay. Or somewhere. They, it wasn't like a ranked team like IMG was, but they had played a game and two lost days. two days earlier. Oh, my God. They only had, like, 35 players on the roster for both of those games. Some, some players played both offense and defense in both of those games. Oh, my God. Yes. In the game on the game before IMG Academy, uh, both teams wore black jerseys because Bishop Sycamore only has black jerseys because they're definitely a real school who can afford these things. <laughs> when, when they got booked to play IMG Academy, their promoter said that they had D1 recruits on the roster. They had no such players with, of that caliber, <laughs> of, of any sort. Most of their players were junior college dropouts aged 19 and over. What? Yup. At least one player was using a fake name. Their head coach has an active warrant for his arrest. This part I knew. For what? Fraud. Ah, checks out. And this just broke today. They, uh, at their hotel in Ohio, where the game was, before the game was taking place, uh, they wrote fake checks, so they didn't actually pay the hotel at all. So, <laughs> that just came out today. Another layer of fraud. Yeah. What? Yup. How did this happen? They... They had a, earlier in the year, they had a GoFundMe to help them set up their program with the goal of $20,000, but it only raised one hundred and forty. Wow. <laughs> yes. This is going to make a great 30 for 30. Oh, it's going to be spectacular. Uh, two of the players shared the same helmet for the entire game. When one player went off the field, he chucked his helmet to the guy on the sideline, who then put it on and got back in there. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not the first scam that Coach Ron Johnson has run of this sort. He ran Christians of Faith Academy, 
which has which finished one and eleven in the previous institution, and they were no longer considered an academic institution after September. Wow. They had no official classes. Their website is literally blank under academics. And then when somebody did some digging and realized, oh, the text is just white, which is something that definitely happens at a serious school. (laughs) And here's some more fun details about Bishop Sycamore. Besides Christians of Faith. So it's the same guy who runs both of them, Ron Johnson, who was fired from the fake school he created earlier this week. <laughs> there is no Bishop Sycamore at all. Their residential address, 391 Glenside Lane, is a residential house. Oh my God. <laughs> the phone number used is for a bakery. Oh my God. <laughs> That's priceless. And he would have likely got away with all of this had he not appeared on ESPN with his fake football team against the top high school team in the country. That's insane. (laughs) And there have been several articles I suggest reading as well about what the players have to say about this because needless to say, he was not adequately providing them with much of anything. Really? Yeah. So. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> so this is like a last ditch, like, you want to keep playing football, yeah. kid. That's, like, there are some, <clears throat> like, actual high schoolers on the roster who just got duped and thinking that this was going to prepare them for the pros. Because, like, Ron Johnson played at Ohio State. He's got, like, a resume that's, you know, not not good. So mm-hmm. I kind of get that. But one player was confirmed to be 23. Like, if you're a 23-year-old man, what in your life makes you want to play high school football against high schoolers. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what okay. I'm really trying to think about is what the mentality is for some of the players on the roster. Like I've seen last chance to you. Like I, I get why some uh, people are desperate to keep playing football, but <laughs> I, if your last chance you is a high school that can't compete against other high schools and <laughs> involves you playing both ways in Three days in two games. What are you doing, so, man? Maybe this is something you can explain to me because I've seen parts of Last Chance U. <laughs> Why? Why are these people so... De- I mean, I get loving a game. Yeah. But there are lots of ways you can go out and you can still play some form of recreational football. Mm-hmm. It might not be at the caliber you're used to. It might not be with the level of practicing that you're used to, but what is this desperation? It's a lot of it is, I think, you know, just some form of like these guys don't come from, you know, the best backgrounds and, you know, football is, I guess, you know, like an escape, if you will, and Mm -hmm. sort of like their ticket like out and like to a better life is like through football, which mm-hmm. is like provide structure and that sort of stuff. Sure. If you know what I know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow. I follow. So I, I think that's just the overarching mentality of like last chance you is that this is, you know, junior colleges are filled with these players who have just not worked out at higher levels for whatever reason, but the talent is still there and they just need to get the mentality right and have that sort of mm. structure in their lives to avoid, you know, 
like just to keep them in school and avoid, you know, them going down an even worse path, you know? Right. So I think it's like the similar vibe, but like at least Last Chance U has success stories. Right. Players go from junior college to FCS all the FBS all the time. Yeah. No, no 23 year old high schoolers getting picked up by anybody. (laughs) Yeah, that is, I mean, is the thought that like, NFL teams will only look at your highlight reel against top then, high school recruits and then be like, we don't care that you like clearly lied about your age. <laughs> also, the insane thing to me is it's clear no one's making any money here. Oh, no. Because if they're paying with fake checks, it's like, I just don't understand. I don't understand the motive for the coach. I'm struggling to understand the motive for the players. I just, I don't see how this happened and I want to know more and I can't wait for the 30 for 30. Yes. Uh, I'm just baffled that they got on national TV. Like That's crazy. ESPN says they outsourced the broadcast of the game to this company called Paragon Marketing, which that which schedules a lot of high school games for them because you know ESPN can't like do everything themselves. Right. Like so Yeah, yeah. You would it makes perfect sense that you would use a contractor just to yeah. fill some time on your air on a Friday night where nothing's going on but the US Open. But Given that Bishop Sycamore could not accurately give them a roster, did not have a working website. Someone should have stopped this. So, this could have been stopped at any possible level, and it was not. Crazy. <laughs> and this got to be on ESPN at the field by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So this was like, you know, a special venue for this game, too. Wait, this was at... Yeah, the the stadium they play the Hall of Fame game in. So really, yeah, wild. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's something I wanted to tell the people about is just Bishop Sycamore High School. What? <laughs> what a nightmare! What a nightmare! A scam with no real positive outcome no. in sight for anybody. Other than hilarity. Other than hilarity, because again, he had been running this thing for years. He only didn't get away with it when he appeared on ESPN with a clearly overmatched team and thought he could get away with it. Oh, my God. Just that hubris is something I admire. Yeah, it is greatly. impressive. Yeah. Like, I, there is a certain Americanness about, like, an old-fashioned fraudster con man. Mm-hmm. It's just like, dude, how did you think? I don't know what this guy looks like. <laughs> Braun Johnson. Ron Johnson. Ron. Okay, that is the name you expect. <laughs> and I looked at their roster that they did give, and there are some definite fake names. Like, you told me there's an actual person named Melvin Duncanson, and I'm going to call you a liar. Roy Johnson. Oh, it's Roy Johnson. Apologies, Roy. And to any Ron Johnsons I may have offended. Their coach has been fired. Yes, by <laughs> the assistant coach. Oh, my God. Yeah. We weren't going to school. (laughs) Jesus. Well, that is a thing that actually happened, and I'm glad that we all now know about it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Justin. And there is no Bishop Sycamore. Just, like, the bare minimum. You could have at least named your school after a real person. I want to talk about one more Husker football thing. Oh, yeah, go for it. I think it'll take very long. 
And I just kind of want to air out my own thoughts here because I'm not entirely sure how I feel yeah. other than upset. Why is it that every time I open Twitter, someone is shouting at the people who don't want to watch this team? If you want to keep watching this team, if you want to stay engaged, if you want to stay invested, that's fine. But I'm serious when I say watching that football game made my weekend worse. And for all the reasons Justin laid out, I would probably go to the Fordham game. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to watch Buffalo through the cracks in my fingers. And I don't know that I will go to any more home games. Because physically going to a place and committing to watching this football game. What about Northwestern, though? Just to maybe, and it's hard because it's my senior year. If yeah. this was our junior year, I would absolutely not be going. Mm-hmm. But then, lots of people feel the way I do, yeah. or even stronger, and they decide I don't want to go. And so the school needs to save the sellout streak, and does what I think is a great thing with the sellout streak. Yeah. And provides these tickets at no cost through boosters mm-hmm. to underprivileged kids and their families. That's rad. And note to all media members in the state, I get it's an honest mistake. <laughs> Underserved and undeserved are not the same word. I've seen them <laughs> swapped out for each other too many times in this week. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's a good note. Yes. Um, I get that it's a tricky spelling, but... <laughs> Trust me, there's a big difference between underserved children and undeserved children. <laughs> I'm not even going to make a joke about that. Oh, that's horrific. And oh, my God. But what I will say is this. What the last week has proven to me is. I think we all knew that there was a lot of toxicity in this fan base. I think we all knew it came out when we fell short of the mark. Mm-hmm. But my God, has it been nasty this week. So I just want to say to any anyone who listens to this podcast, let's be better. Let's let people make their own decisions about how they want to handle this because it is like personal loss. It sucks. Yeah. Anyone who wants to treat sport lo- sports losses like they don't matter uh, to the people who they matter to is, is being silly, I think. Um, we care a lot about these things. If you want to get mad when a Marvel movie doesn't live up to your expectations, I get to get mad when this doesn't live up to my expectations. Or any of my other teams right now. But uh, <laughs> Liverpool is still in the top four. And I was about to ask about that because I knew that season started. We drew Chelsea, which, like, fine. Yeah. Drawing against Chelsea is about where we should be right now. So <laughs> as long as we're not losing. But ultimately... I think it's time for the sellout streak to go. And I think the university has been in different ways kind of artificially pumping it up for years. Yeah. Uh, What's hard is that they could have kept the sellout streak if they didn't have the hubris to build the new part of the stadium, which I'm glad they did because it, like made it possible for my family to get season tickets. Mm -hmm. And that is really where I fell in love with Husker football. 
Uh, people were worried then about losing the sellout streak. People said eventually this edition will be the end of the sellout streak yeah. in the next few years. And lo and behold, we're here. Yeah, where it's on life support because it, it will survive this week against Fordham. Maybe again against Buffalo. I, I think they'll probably do some deal with first responders because of the whole 20th anniversary of 9-11 thing. So that'll probably get it. Northwestern's the conference opener, but then we will probably have just came off a shellacking against Oklahoma. I think and, uh, if the Northwestern we, game is when it goes. And if we don't beat Michigan State, the Northwestern game is when it goes. Yeah. If we beat Michigan State, we're selling that thing out. And then Michigan, probably too, just because of the hype that Michigan coming to town would bring. But I'm going to say right now, Ohio State is not selling no, out. Nobody no. wants to see that. I don't. If you give tickets to those kids, like that's, you're subjecting them to that. Um, <laughs> unless they're kids from Ohio. Yeah, unless they're kids from Ohio. Don't give any kids tickets to that game. And honestly, like I feel like my heart should break for the sellout streak, but like no team aside from Nebraska, gives two shits about what the sellout streak is at their stadium. No one will ever catch it. Yeah, and no one will ever catch what our streak is again. Because when is Alabama's from? Oh, much recent. Ours was from 62 to now. So Alabama wasn't even number two on the list for most of our streak. So Alabama still got decades to catch up to us. Okay? Yeah. Like, this ain't never going, going down. Like, so, and again, it's not really a record anybody cares unless they are the holder of that record. Um, from Forbes. Oh. In 2019, with Notre Dame's sellout streak over, no football program will ever touch Nebraska's more remarkable run. Yep. 50, well, now it's going to be 58 year almost. Mm -hmm. We had 473. I think what's frustrating is they will still do the whole, like, we're changing the number because we sold out oh, the God. stadium. And, like, <laughs> God, I just, I want to boo if I decide to go. Oh, man. That's going to be something. Yeah. I'd say I'd recommend every UNL student to go to Fordham. If not for the only time you get to see this team, be good. But if you have tickets, go to see the band. They've been missing people. <laughs> I, I, I rep for the band kids out there as well. So uh, I would like to say I don't agree with this statement. <laughs> people who go to the football game to see the band are the worst. <laughs> don't be one of them. And yeah, but I mean, I get where you're coming from. Uh, it, at the last year of Mike Riley, I scheduled myself to work during two Husker games because I had no interest and now since my job is Nebraska football, I, I can't really divorce myself from that. Yeah, are you going to the DN watch parties? Are those still happening? Yeah. For, I assume they don't happen for home games. No. I think that's rad, and I think we should do them in the office. Yeah. I think we should have tailgates in the office. <laughs> yes, that was very clutch to have people I could bounce my frustrations off of and just yeah. help me not take that game seriously. Yeah. Because as soon as that safety happened, I was like, I don't want to see a good win anymore. I just want to see chaos. And then the blowout happened, and then I was sad. And then we came back again, and I'm like, don't give me hope. <laughs> Please. But yeah, that's, that's where we are at Nebraska football. That'll open up a lot of future segments on this pod for some fun stuff that's not this episode if we continue to suck.
Like, I mean, I think there's a world in which we do five minute recaps of the games and yeah. move on. I absolutely do as well. If... Because ultimately we make this podcast because we enjoy it. Yes. And if we're not having a good time, you're probably not having a good time. So, And if we'd rather just read the Wikipedia page about mm-hmm. ABBA for an episode, please let us. It's, it's what we want to do. <laughs> I've been angry and sad by the things that you do. Ba, 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 ba. And that's the show. Rad.